0: Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. On this episode, we have Sean Langdon and Erica Enders, two big winners from the AAA Insurance NHRA Midwest Nationals in St. Louis and two racers who have been angling for a big win for some time and they finally got one. We'll talk about upsets, we'll talk about performances, and we'll talk about the fact that all four professional category championship chases are still wide open. It's going to be a great podcast, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride with Erica, with Sean, and with me, your host, Brian Loans. Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Uh, obviously, if you watched the coverage, uh, whether you watched it on Fox Sports One or you watched it on uh, NHRA.tv, you saw what happened on Sunday in St. Louis. It was a fantastic weekend, uh, the entire three days. Great crowds all three days, a sellout on Saturday, and then, of course, uh, just one of the most manic and unpredictable race days on Sunday. Uh, Karen Stolfer. Again, just her season, her ability on the bike that has shown through this year has been incredible. She picks up the win against Andrew Hines. Um, again, a, a great performance. When you're able to be so good on a motorcycle that you're able to get an opponent like Matt Smith to know that he has to saw the tree down and go a couple thousandths early, that is, to me, the ultimate sign of respect uh, in drag racing in terms of starting line ability. And Gary Stouffer... Tim Kelungian, the entire team has been working very hard with Karen, and uh, they have that bike absolutely and awesomely tuned up and ready to go. Pro stock car, Erica Anders. Finally, she's going to be one of the guests on the show. But she finally broke through. She had been having just heinous luck. It really started back in Seattle, if not a little bit earlier than that. And uh, they really have a romp and stomp and car there. The Melling Performance Camaro is just uh, brutally quick. Number one qualifier, two races in a row, and she picks up uh, picks up a win. In St. Louis, one that uh, she really needed for herself and for her team. That's That was one that they wanted bad. They could taste it. From Indy, they could taste it. And they finally got it done here in St. Louis. Could be bad news for the rest of the competition as we go through the final four races of the year. Sean Langdon will be one of our guests on the show. He had an incredible, well-rounded funny car competition experience. Winning races by seemingly every method possible over the course of the day on Sunday. It was fun to watch. We'll get the inside scoop from him. And Team Torrance, back. The locomotive back on the tracks, steaming away. Both cars making the final round. It was the exact opposite performance that they had from Maple Grove, which the Maple Grove race obviously was not good for them. Was good for Langdon either, but for the Capco team, it was a maybe that little bit of a shock they needed. Even if they didn't need it, they got it. And to me, when we look at drag racing, whether it's NHRA drag racing or it's any sort of uh, form of this that's done at a high level, it is always the rebound that I'm most interested in seeing in. Um, I'm most interested in seeing and evaluating a team on how they perform after a down week, after a down race. And what did we see out of the Capco group? We saw nothing short of the perfection that we've come to expect from that operation, um, all the way up to the final round. You know, Billy Torrance was the class of the field for uh, the majority of the weekend, and he did a fine job on Sunday to grab his first ever countdown win and to uh, take out his own kid as Steve smoked the tires on the left hand side of the racetrack and Billy went clean down the right side. Uh, on the inside baseball TV side of things it was a it was a hectic day it was a crazy day and the end of that show if you watched it you know that we were about 20 minutes late as far as getting off of the air and things happen over the course of the day it wasn't uh, it wasn't a, a, a television imposed delay we're obviously at the mercy of the competition when we're live on air bringing you the action we don't uh, we don't we can't speed it up so to speak so we uh, we, we wait and we follow along and we do what we got to do for Billy Torrance, you may notice that he his top end interview was very short. and Thankfully, Billy's a fairly plain-spoken guy, and he doesn't tend to elaborate on a lot of stuff. So he was able to make his comment, and then we basically went straight off the air because the Major League Soccer game uh, that was going to be live behind us was getting ready to start. So we snuck that one in there. We were able to show you everything from end to end. I feel like the Sunday show, because of the competition, was, uh, was compelling and fun to watch. I think the whole Sunday attitude, for whatever reason, at St. Louis was one of... On your edge, excitement really from when I walked in the door. You know, there are some Sundays you wake up and uh, you you kind of have this little extra bounce in your step. You kind of have this feeling that something special is probably going to happen today. Not every race is like that, but there was a definite feeling for me when I was driving to the racetrack on Sunday morning that uh, we were going to see some stuff, and it was going to be some good stuff. It was maybe going to be some crazy stuff, and it was all of that. The other indication was, as I was driving into the racetrack on Sunday, there was a massive fire burning across the Mississippi River from the racetrack. So we always call Gateway, we always call Worldwide Technology Raceway St. Louis. It's technically in Madison, Illinois. So it is uh, about one mile, as the crow flies, from the Mississippi River, and then directly on the other side of the river is uh, the city of St. Louis. But there was a, like a four-alarm or a five-alarm fire. A giant warehouse was burning down, and uh, the flames are. Probably at least hundred feet in the air because I could see it clear across the river from our uh, broadcast booth area, and uh, that was just it was one of the indications that Sunday was going to be a little bit different than uh, maybe some other Sundays we've seen. Championship uh, points battles in every single mellow yellow category are absolutely wide open. I, I feel like uh, I feel like this is the way it's supposed to work in terms of the countdown. I feel like it's the way that I want it to be working because uh, you cannot. You cannot ignore or you cannot not pay attention to what's going on. In Top Fuel, Doug Coletta leads Steve Torrance by two points. Mike Salinas by two rounds. Brittany Forrest by 48 points, which is basically two and a half rounds. Brittany Forrest has a great set of qualifying sessions in Charlotte. She can take that 48 points and move it into 30-something points. And then she can win a couple rounds, and she could go from fourth to first. Leah Pritchett's three rounds back. Antron's four rounds back. Clay Milliken is in a tough spot. He's five rounds out of first place right now. Billy Torrance is 80 points out, which is four rounds, and that's the way top fuel's looking. Funny car is uh, you know, even more insane than that. And, you know, Robert Height leads John Forrest by 13 points, Jack Beckman by a round, Ron Caps by 40 points, which is two rounds. When I talked to Jim Overhofer, or John Overhofer, rather. On Sunday, I talked to John, and he was hanging out in the winner's circle because, obviously, uh, the Coletta Motorsports team was victorious with Sean Langdon. He said, hey, we made the final. Where does that move us to in points? I said, it puts you in fifth. And he was kind of, like, disgusted by that. And I said, dude, you got to realize something. 53 points separate number one to number five. So... I mean, you're, you know, you're two rounds out of second. <laughs> so once he kind of got that uh, lay of the land, he was certainly uh, not necessarily relieved, but it kind of refocused his uh, perception of that fifth-place spot they're in right now, which is you know as tight as a drum. Uh, pro Stock category, it's Jason Line still leading Erica by 11 points. We're going to talk about that, and Erica is uh, certainly on a tear right now with her driving and that car's performance. Bo Butner, 22 points back. He's one round out. Now, the Pro Stock spread gets real wide after we get to uh, Matt Hartford's 57 out, and then we start jumping to the bigger numbers. Alex Laughlin, Jay Coughlin Jr., Greg Anderson, three drivers specifically that are uh, kind of in limbo right now. Derek Kramer, Chris McGehee, and Val Smeela need, uh, need some miraculous things to start happening for them to really make some tracks in terms of their point standings. And then finally in Pro Stock Motorcycle, Andrew Hines leads Karen Stouffer. How about that? Karen Stouffer is number two in the points right now, only 34 back behind Hines. Her teammate Jerry Savoie is in fifth. He's 66 points back, and Eddie Krawick is 51 points out. So uh, Andrew Hines has the biggest points lead of anybody, of any category in the uh, countdown right now at 34 points. He's by no means safe, nor is he by no means breathing easy. So it is going to be definitely, definitely fun to watch this thing shake out when we get down to Charlotte. So uh, our guests, as I mentioned, Sean Langdon and Erica Enders, uh, really interested to get on the horn with Sean here and get his race day impression. And we're going to have Erica on second. All right. So we're joined by our first guest here this week on the NHRA Insider Podcast. He is the Funny Car winner from St. Louis. Sean Langdon, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. So it was an insane day, like not just for you. I think around the whole – every professional class, I think, brought something different to the table. Uh, and in Funny Car, it was some early upsets. And um, in all honesty, it was a great driving performance by you uh, through the course of the day, whether you're hole-shotting people or pedaling, uh, you definitely had your work cut out for you. So let's let's kind of go through the day uh, first, couple, first couple of rounds anyway, how you felt in the car.
1: Well, you know, I've been feeling a lot more comfortable – uh, driving a funny car it's been kind of a long progress a a long uh, steep learning curve for me but you know fortunately having uh, a great group of guys around me having a teammate like JR todd and having a crew chief del Worsham and nicky bonafani and you know they've been really working with me on on some of the aspects uh of driving the car and you know so i've i've always been uh you know trying to improve reaction times and stuff like that but one area that i felt like i've you know, struggled a little bit in where you don't really get a lot of time to practice is, uh, how to pedal the car. Um, so, you know, we've been very timid since, uh, Chicago on pedaling the car since it broke the body in half. Um, so I, I haven't really had a lot of practice and, uh, I guess fortunately, you know, in that second round it worked out, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of crazy just, you know, the first couple rounds, uh, ended up, you know, winning on a whole shot and, you know, but, you know, I can't take you know take anything away from from the guys. I mean, they they still laid down a, a great run, a three ninety. We were second low ET of the round, and that's kind of been our area that we felt like our only real struggle is that we keep running into these guys that are low <laughs> ET of the rounds.
0: Yeah, you guys and, do. Yeah, that's a bad habit you've had,
1: <laughs> and it's been like that all year long. And you know, you know, we've we've kind of had the uh, the peanut gallery and the critics kind of saying, you know, that, that we uh, you know made. I'll have a weak car a weak week, or you know a lot of a lot of stuff like that but the thing is is you know we really haven't been as bad as the results have showed as far as like we have a good car we just keep seeing that like we run into these buzz saws and you know the ways that we try to improve on that is like okay let's um you know we need to get a little bit more aggressive with our tune-up we need to start qualifying a little bit better to where we don't get these tough draws but then it's like okay now we're starting to get on the first round now we start getting these second rounds well, they were low ET of second round, so <laughs> right. it just seems like man, we keep getting backdoored on on every angle. But um, you know, I guess that's a you know something that we could take in with a little bit of pride is you know the competition. I, I think sees you know how tough this global electronic technology car is, and and obviously they know you know the talent of Nikki and Dell of how good they can get that car running. So we kind of feel like you know we have, even though we're Ninth or 10th place in the points. We got the guys that are first, second or third place in the in the points taking shots at us, which, uh, you know, I I think that just kind of, you know, subtly kind of gives us a little bit of confidence that like, hey, you know, they they know we're here. They're, They're taking shots on us, which is good. But now it's just our turn to step to the plate, you know.
0: So, man, the run against Campbell, uh, you referenced it uh, in your interview. We referenced it on the show where, you know, it, had, it, it wasn't quite as dramatic as the J.R. Todd-Jack Beckman one, but it was really almost the same scenario, just with a slightly tighter gap between the two cars. So um, what was so interesting to me to watch that is obviously Campbell goes out and it's like, oh, God, this is going to happen again. You know, he did in the first round, and it's going to happen again. All of a sudden, you, you came roaring back to life. So uh, mentality inside the car, I mean, obviously – do you notice he has a problem? I mean, I'm guessing you were planning on getting the thing gathered up and giving it a fighting chance anyway, but I guess just talk to us through that span of time from tire spins to when you go, Oh man, I gotta get back in this thing.
1: Yeah, just it, it's crazy how many how much thought goes through your mind in whatever that run ended up being, five point eight seconds. So I'm gonna probably give you like a five minute spiel on five I seconds. I love it. <laughs> and So we go in and and we're staged and our mentality running against Campbell was we just need to make a good run. And if we can go out there and we can go 390, we weren't trying to push the tune up and it's not anything to discredit Campbell or, or their whole team. You
0: know, you got to race, you got to race race smart. That's the bottom line. You got to race with your head and your shoulders. Yeah,
1: correct. So we were, we felt like, both lanes were were fairly equal. We um, did like one lane a little bit better than the other, but if we lose lane choice, I mean, you know, it's like they always say, lane choice only matters to the guy that has it. <laughs> right. So it really wasn't a big deal. We were willing to maybe. Uh, give up a hundredth or two of ET. And if we ended up getting lane choice, that's fine. But we were willing, you know, we didn't need to go out there and go 390 like we did first round. We had to do that against Tommy Johnson because those guys make killer runs. Um, so we kind of went with a little bit of, uh, you know, let's make a good, safe run, but something that we can still learn off of for the semis, whether we have to run Tim Wilkerson, who made a good run first round or uh, bob tasca who also has made a lot of good runs throughout the weekend um but at least give us uh, ourselves a good fighting chance for the semis you know if not a complete layup run but something that we can work with so we kind of went up there with that mentality let's go to the right lane let's go make a good run um so i go in, we're staged and i hit the gas and immediately as soon as i hit the gas i think in my head i missed the tree I'm I'm mad at myself. Ah, I missed the tree. That's first thing that goes through my head. And so I, I see his bulbs go out a little before mine. I'm thinking, damn it, you know he he treated me. Sorry, I don't know if I shouldn't have said that word, but so he uh, treed me. Trust me, me and trust like, me. You can you, you
0: can let it fly. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then but then it and then it blows the tires off, and I'm just thinking, oh, what a, oh, what is going on? And so when I go to, to the like pedal mode, I'm more at this point, I see him driving away and in my head runs over. We just lost. Okay. Now's my time to practice on how to pedal a car. Right? So what I, what I do is and my downside is when you see a car driving away and I, and and your car smoking the tires, the hardest thing to do as a driver is be patient and allow a car to settle down from smoking the tires and so one thing that i've really tried working on is being more patient and so i felt like i let the car settle down and right when i go to kind of hit the gas i go to hit the gas and it, now now my mind's playing tricks i mean all these things are going on because i see the guy campbell is driving away and in my head i go to hit the gas okay the car's hooked up Now the run's over. He's done. And then it goes to where I kind of peel off the gas a little bit. I see him having trouble. So I do a quick slap of the pedal and give it like half throttle. And then I kind of start rolling into it and eventually give it full throttle. And I see him having trouble out there. And it's like, oh, man, I got a chance here. This, but it's also laboring. This thing sounds like yeah. it's running on six cylinders. It was, it, it doesn't, <laughs> it does not sound healthy. And the last time that it's doing this is it blows the injector off the thing and we got a broken body. So I'm real kind of hesitant on, I don't know how much longer I want to run this thing. Cause it doesn't sound good at all, but then it's kind of my, my super comp skills come back in of, of throttle stop racing and bracket racing because about like, 500 feet 400 feet i start looking at the rate of closure that i'm coming on campbell and i think in my head oh i'm coming around him i got plenty of room to get there so what i did was i actually come up on him and as i come by him because the car was laboring so bad i ended up shutting the car off a couple hundred feet early just because i didn't want to run the thing all the way to a thousand feet and blow this thing up and you know cost connie any more money than, than we already are so uh yeah it was kind of just like i said just so many things going on you know from where it's like i missed the tree it blows the tires off okay go to practice mode just to try to learn and then it's like oh i got a chance oh now i i'm passing them try to save the car try to save the motor but yeah we ended up getting around when it was crazy i mean it that that was the thing i said in my interview i said i think i just pulled the jr todd it wasn't quite (laughs) as impressive as his but but that was the first time that i've that i've done one of those so i was uh I was, I was pretty proud of
0: it. Yeah, and to me, that's the neatest link I've ever heard anybody in a fuel car or racing a fuel car make to their sportsman skills and their sports lineage. That, to me, is the neatest thing, honestly, that I've heard somebody say because it isn't like it, it, how, how many times can you apply that? And it's so rare to even apply it. So to be able to have it kind of at the front of your mind or at least hanging out there that you're able to have that kind of instant recall to go, oh, wait a second. I don't have to kill this thing. I know exactly what's going on right now. That's pretty great.
1: Yeah. No, I, yeah. So it's kind of, kind of neat. Cause obviously, you know, Dale and Nikki and all the crew guys were like, Hey, thank you for recognizing, you know, that the motor was, was laboring pretty hard and you didn't run it all the way to the finish line. And, um, you know, so, you know, I'm kind of thinking, okay, yeah, you know, I'm trying to do my part and, and, and help, you know, keep the service time down and, and, uh, try to try to help all that stuff. And, you know, so, you, you try to do as much as you can you know just to try to help the overall uh, you know sure. benefit of the of the, the entire group the whole Coletta group the team and just with the service times being so short yeah you definitely don't want to add uh, you know more damage and and more time to their services you well, know and
0: and at the end of the day more variables right because the more complicated it gets the more uh, the more apt there is to be some sort of an error made that you can't afford to have
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah so, so it uh, oh
0: okay it's pretty crazy Yeah, no, it was was totally insane, and it was just one of the the great elements of the day. So in terms of, you know, you've won a lot of races, and you you can win races in in different ways. You can win them just smashing everybody into the ground for four rounds, or you can win with a a very varied four rounds like you had. Is there a difference in terms of at the end of Sunday when you guys are all hanging out in the winter circle, is there a different feeling between we just flat-out destroyed everybody versus we actually, every single person contributed something to this today?
1: Yeah, no, I I think at the end of the day, a win's a win. And and regardless, it's always a team win. Um, I think personally, maybe I got a little bit of, of maybe a little bit of extra satisfaction, um, not out of anybody that we beat particularly, but I think of just being able to contribute as a driver because, um, you know, I think that a lot of people, there's always the assumption of, you know, oh, heck, he's in a good car. Right you know uh he you know he of course he's gonna win he's in a good car of course he's gonna win he's a he's in a, a car tuned by so and so um so you know there's always that perception i think from you know sometimes maybe other drivers or sometimes from some of the fans that that watch that that uh maybe drink a little bit of haterade on you I <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i think you know that that you know, as a driver, yeah, you do get a little bit of satisfaction of you know racing a guy like Tommy Johnson, um, first round. Who Tommy Johnson's you know one of the best drivers in the class, and um, you know, and and he happened to make a little bit of a mistake. But I think, um, you know, I think that the thing that I really enjoyed out of that was you know Dell and Nikki and I we sat down and and we strategized before that round of. Okay, we run Tommy Johnson in, and, and uh, you know we look at all the qualifying sheets, and we look at everybody's reaction times, and we look at everybody's reaction times on how they react to long trees and short trees, and and there's there's variables that not that maybe one percent of the world knows about that that you know I feel like why I enjoy working with Dell and Nikki so much is because these guys get the, the 1% of stuff that, that I look into as far as, you know, how do we kind of exploit weaknesses in other teams as far as, you know, on the reaction type side of things, um, you know, of, of short trees, long trees and, and, you know, sometimes kind of manipulating timing system with, with flickering the bulbs and, or, or not. So I think, you know, there are some things that, you know, we tried to, do first round and and fortunately, you know worked into our favor um you know tommy made a mistake that he normally doesn't do because tommy's a very good driver um but just fortunately we were able to capitalize on that and then you know obviously second round with an area that i feel like i've struggled with a lot driving a funny car but able to contribute to the team and knowing how talented Dell and Nikki are in, in tuning a car of just giving them another chance sure um at making a good run, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna consecutively just keep missing the setup. You know, these guys are very good, best in the business. Um so I think that was able to give them another opportunity. We go out there against Bob Casca. Bob had one of the best cars oh yeah of the weekend. And um, so we knew we had to step up against Bob. But, one, you know, one thing that we said is we really feel that the semifinal run is what won us the final round because we made such a strong run in the semis, knowing we had to run Bob Taska, knowing Bob's great on their reaction times. And Bob is, uh, you know, Mike's got that car in 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 hop sink and and all of them. They got that car running really good and so we had to make a good run we were kind of with our backs up against the wall a little bit for that run so um but we really feel like making that strong of a run in the semis put a little bit of pressure on our teammates uh jr todd and the dhl team um getting lane choice putting them in into the right lane um but you know forcing them to step up a little bit and we made a mistake in the in the final um where you know it it didn't make a good run at all it dropped the cylinder but i think the semifinal run forcing them to have to step up, you know, a few hundreds in in the, the final and they ended up smoking the tires. Um, you know, we really felt like that semifinal run won us the final.
0: Yeah, no, it makes that makes total sense to me. Uh, we made it you not know, like not a huge deal, but on the show, we certainly brought it up that this is your first, you know, two wide funny car win. Uh, I know you said a win's a win before, but in terms of race format, uh, taking everything else aside, uh, are you are you? I don't want to say happier, prouder, or whatever. Is this a little bit different feeling than a four wide victory?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really look at it that way. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, four wide, you got three rounds, uh, you know, normal, traditionally you got four rounds the weekend before I was down at the spring fling going nine rounds. So I felt like <laughs> I, had, I had, I had a half a day. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, I mean, a, a win to win. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I really feel like, um, Getting one in the countdown was crucial. I really feel like coming, uh, especially coming out of Reading, where we struggled so bad. And we haven't really struggled a lot lately. We've had a really good race car. Um, We felt like our our area that we need to work on is our second round tune-up. We can make good runs in qualifying. We can make good runs in um, first round. But second round, we've kind of struggled a little bit on adapting typically to – the hotter track conditions from a good track condition first round. So that's kind of something that we've really been working on. Um, but we go to Redding right off the bat, blow the tires off first two runs really have to kind of readdress a couple things. Um, so we kind of, you know, really had to change a lot of things for Redding and it didn't really, we didn't make the proper changes and just didn't have a good weekend. Sometimes that's just drag racing. You just don't have, you just don't have good weekends. So we kind of wrote that off, but, you know, going into the countdown ninth, not having a good weekend at the first race of six really puts your back up against the wall. Uh, one thing that we've been holding off on was front halfing the car because in the beginning of the year, I kind of struggled driving it a little bit and was getting the car out of the groove and just, again, some areas that, you know, I've tried to work on. So we kind of put off front halving the car because there's some other complications I, I say complications, but there's some other things that come with it of you just don't really front half a car. It's certain ways that I have the steering set up and how I have the steering wheel set up and um, just the, how the car reacts and responds. We finally felt like we got it to an area that I could drive the car well, and I could make good runs, keeping it in the groove. So we we're real hesitant, even though we were over a run count on the front half, we were real hesitant on doing it. So after that weekend, Um, Dale called me up and asked me, you know, said, Hey, we need to make a front half change. We're not really sure why this car is kind of acting up all of a sudden, but you know, we can't keep beating our heads against the wall for the next five races and expect to have a shot for the championship. We have to go to St. Louis and we have to win St. Louis for us to have a shot. So, um, but we kind of, you know, be dummies if we don't front half the car. So let's front half the car. Maybe we can go test on Tuesday. Let's get it. We just want to get a couple laps where we can get the steering right for you because that's one thing that, you know, we really need to to do. Well, just between timing, nitro pricing going up, you know, just with the money that's getting spent right now, it's just – it's it's tough. And, uh, and so we kind of elected not to go testing, um, and that was something, you know, that we kind of – you know gritted our teeth about but we really Felt like hey we have a great chassis shop They're going to do a good job putting it together We're going to measure everything Let's just go We are we feel good about this we need to make yeah. some other changes In the clutch area so let's kind of go To St. Louis and let's see how the first Run goes um, so You know it just fortunately it just All worked out I mean normally these aren't Changes you make second race in the countdown <laughs> right? But when you got a badass Group of guys and get a little bit of luck On your side and it's just sometimes it's it's funny. You roll into the racetrack, kind of chest puffed out, chest puffed out a little bit, like you know we got our shit together. And you walk in there, and and you don't do nothing. Oh wait, don't. And then you go to some race, and you're just scratching your head, like, man, I hope this thing just makes it down the track. And then it just <laughs> right. seems like everything works your way, and you, and you end up in the winner circle on Sunday.
0: I'd have to imagine it's a pretty good time uh, to be at Coletta Motorsports. Obviously, first race of this, the countdown on the top fuel side, it's it's Richie and Doug in a final. Second race on the on the funny car side, it's you and Jr. So, you know, despite the fact that uh, you know not everybody, not not all four cars have won a race yet, it seems like uh, both sides of the operation are clicking along pretty good.
1: Yeah, it really has, and man, just awesome, awesome group to be a part of. Um, you know, just obviously. You know, Richie's been clicking off some wins, and, and Doug's had a hell of a year, and, um, you know, watching JR, you know, being able to uh, to have a great year as well, and us be a part of it with the Global Electronic Technology Team, just all, you know, we, we really kind of feed off of one another, and it's awesome to see the crew chiefs working together, you know, all four of us drivers, you know, constantly talking and and amongst each other just different variables at different race tracks and it's just you know it's a great team to be a part of and it's obviously you know it's icing on the cake when uh, you're able to have an all coletta final in Reading at the first race with the dragsters and the all coletta final uh you know in in uh, st louis with jr and i it was pretty cool you know just that was the first time jr and i had been in the final against one another and i remember you know before the final i walked over to his pit and he was sitting in his tow vehicle, and I just kind of I just kind of poked my head, and I said, it's pretty cool, bud. And he goes, yeah, man. He goes, good luck to you. I said, yeah, good luck to you. And I said, you know, it's just pretty cool that 22 years ago, you know, him and I were racing junior dragsters against one another.
0: Yeah, and now we're wild. on the
1: biggest stage. Uh, you know, we're on the biggest stage racing funny cars, being teammates. And now we're in the final round against one another. And, uh, you know, I kind of was – I had kind of one of those – those moments where last weekend was like, man, life is good. This is uh, just this whole journey that we've been on and, and how everything kind of comes full circle. And, and heck, you know, like I said, Jared and I, 20 years ago, we're just kids with a dream of, of one day making it. Now we're teammates and, and we've made it. and We're in the final round together.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty spectacular. One last topic I want to talk to you about uh, before, uh, before I let you go. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, but you raced uh, in the Fall Fling, which is uh, like a very prestigious, uh, very high dollar uh, potential earning bracket race um, that is held at Bristol every year. It's Bristol, right? Yeah, you guys are at Bristol. Um, yep, yep. So one, just for people who are listening to this that have no idea what that is, if you can just give us like car count and kind of what are the potential kind of earnings available there and how you did. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a, uh, a really prestigious event that Kyle Seipel and Peter Bionda have put on, and it's kind of like a, uh, a racer's race, a, a race for the racers, by the racers type of thing. And, um, you know, the, they have their 10th anniversary this year, uh, which, you know, they ended up paying $500,000 to win. Um, yeah. So it was really the uh, who's who uh, was down there racing, Um and, you know, for me, it's just my my enjoyment on my off weekends is to be able to go and, and go bracket racing because how tough the competition level is there, um, you know, it's just constantly, I mean, double O after double O reaction times and, and uh, just – The level of competition to be able to dial your car into a bracket race and nine rounds of competition and the amount of money that's going up for grabs of, you know, like I said, $500,000 to win. And there was a race at the SFG promotions by Kyle Riley earlier this year in Martin Michigan. He put up $500,000 to win. And next year, they're going to have $2 million to win races, Uh, one put on by Kyle Riley and another one put on by Britt Cummings. And uh, it's just the the level of commitment that's out there in the bracket racing community right now of, of putting on these big races is just it's it's changing people's lives. Um, it's not just going out there and having fun, uh, you know, with your friends and family and enjoying it an off weekend like you're going to the river anymore. I mean, this is a, a life changing opportunity where people's making and you know you have two opportunities to win a million dollars next year um but it's also the level of commitment uh by the companies um that are getting involved in yeah. these races that are giving back to the racers of product giveaway even best losing packages i mean for me you know i i uh, was able to run her up on the first or i'm sorry on the second day of the 30 grander um and you know was able to make a little bit of money out of that and uh, and had a buddy of mine ryan mangus who runs stock eliminator he come out and run uh my white car uh, for the weekend was able to get down to five cars in the 500 grand to win race and you know it's just the the opportunities that it it's it's building its own prestige right now where you know you where you know i feel like you start going rounds in these races people know your name now and it's and not only are they knowing your name but you're able to uh you know, make a start for yourself. I mean, like the kid that won Hunter Patton, a younger kid from Texas that won the 500 grand race, a kid uh, that just came out of junior dragsters out of Florida, uh, Gage, Gage Birch, Birch. won, sure. won the, the 500 grander in um, in in Michigan earlier this year. And I mean, they're getting Johnny Brackett racer
0: and all these guys, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean, teenage kids are winning half a million dollars now coming straight out of the junior dragster program. I mean, it's it's... It's awesome to see, man. It's the next generation that's coming through. Uh, it's changing people's lives. It's giving people opportunities again. Um, and, and I, and you know, and I really, I, f- I, feel like it's making careers out of this. I, I really feel like, if you know, we kind of continue progressing with the the, the top fuel program, and we can get more sponsors, and get more TV time, and get more teams out there, it's going to give kids like this more opportunities uh, to become top fuel racers one day
0: yeah and especially uh, as you as you've seen and as i followed the skill level like you said is just off the charts for some of these guys as good as as good as you and jr were coming out of junior drags so i look at some of these kids today and think my god they're ninjas man it's just scary
1: but it, it, it's unbelievable and that's that's exactly it i mean it's like you know, a lot of people kind of, you know, talk about the era that we had, um, in the late nineties, early two thousands coming out of the junior dragster program. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole nother level now. And a lot of these kids that I'm going to, to these bracket races and I've been racing for, you know, 20, heck 25 years now since I started racing juniors, but you got these kids that are coming out of the juniors and, and that are 18 years old, but They've been watching YouTube videos. They've been <laughs> going yeah. watching their dad racing. They've been racing the juniors for so long and they go and they sit in the grandstands and they watch everybody race. And they, the uh, the access that these kids have now, you know, practice trees and, and all these different things, that it's like they come out of the junior program and they race sometimes as good, if not better, than 40, 50-year-old veterans <laughs> that are out there racing. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how good these kids are. Um, so it's it's awesome to see, uh, and, and I think that's why I enjoy it so much. I enjoy going out there because i'm racing against these kids and this is what i've done for a living racing top fuel for the last 10 years (laughs) and i'm going out to these bracket races getting my butt kicked by these kids (laughs) that just came out of juniors and i'm learning from them
0: yeah no that's amazing it really is it's amazing, and it's and it's a great display. You know, it's a great display again of uh, something I always constantly talk about: the fact that there there's so much interconnection in this sport, and uh, you know, people think everything's sealed off from each other, but it really isn't. So, and I'm sure you know when when you the the huge fields of cars that are out there, they are racers guys that we don't know like we know Sean Langdon that have had great great past in the sport. They've been involved doing a million different things, and and this is what they found themselves doing and doing very well at it. So it's uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's always cool man i appreciate you coming on and uh sincere congratulations on uh what was a very exciting sunday for it was a win but it was also surviving <laughs> it was surviving some of the craziness that was happening out there so well yeah, done, absolutely yeah it's pretty pretty neat to see
1: just to show how tough the competition is right now in top fuel and funny car but it was neat to see billy torrance win and it was also obviously for me neat to see myself win but in my team but the fact that both 10th place both guys at one were in tenth place in the points.
0: Yeah, and 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 honestly, both guys that won you know, Nitro Funny Car and Top Fuel had just horrendous weekends in Maple Grove. You know, it was a 180 degree turnaround for for both you and the Torrance team coming out of there. Yeah. So couldn't have it be awesome time. to see for the last four races? Oh, it's wide open, absolutely wide open. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I will see you in uh, Charlotte, man. Hopefully, you go and racing somewhere this weekend.
1: Uh, I may go down to Bowling Green. Uh, they got the Ten Tuck series down there. I'm uh, I'm actually out in the garage right now working on on my bracket cars. So, I'm um, uh, if I get them done, I may cruise down there for the weekend and, and go uh, play a little bit for some you know for the Ten Tuck series. But I may take the weekend off. I'll see how Friday goes.
0: Yeah, man. Hey, you're playing the hot hand. You might as well strike all the iron's hot, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, Sean. Keep
1: that keep the heater going. <laughs> see you, man. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
0: And I certainly appreciate Sean's time coming on the show and kind of spilling the beans for us. I think it's incredibly interesting to hear a guy like that talk about the amount of analysis and the amount of background that is going into each one of these runs. It is not sit in the car, strap in and just hit the gas. You 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 hear about... The strategizing you hear about the planning that goes on between you know the team with Nikki and and uh, Dell of course and the trailer and and what they're doing together so big things for them and they have uh, again re-entered the conversation of championship contenders if they can have a great weekend in Charlotte look out below they could re uh, kind of reshuffle the entire deck as we continue to squeeze down this season. Speaking of squeezing down the season, it's been Erica Anders who has been trying to squeeze down a win light in the final round in Pro Stock for a little while now. She did it finally in St. Louis. Who's a very satisfying victory for her and we now welcome erica enders double e the pro stock winner in st louis to the nhra insider podcast how you doing erica <laughs> hey erica how you doing
2: i'm good brian how
0: are you now that i've turned the microphone on so much better this is totally professional here um hey so of course i wanted to have you on the show because a uh, great breakthrough weekend for you and the team in st louis you kind of finally slayed the demons it seems like and i wanted to catch up with you because um you know, from really, in my opinion, from Seattle forward, you've had a great car until these moments that it hasn't been the right car for the right moment, and it, and it feels like it all came together for you in St. Louis. So, if you can walk us through some of the uh, some of the pain before you get to the good stuff, it'd be good.
2: <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head with the uh, with kind of improving in Seattle and then really. Coming out in Brainerd, uh, just with a lot better performance, um, we were able to have a runner-up finish there against Jason Line. Um, you know, just one of those deals. And then uh, Indy, obviously, I think everybody knows what happened there. But yeah. uh, again, great car. Um, I was double a seven. I think my boy Alex was <laughs> a little party. Yeah, he
0: wasn't. Unfortunately, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, we had parts failure and. Uh, in second gear and it just it ended up costing us the race so unfortunate and just completely heartbreaking for me like it took me the whole rest of the week to get over it and i feel like had it been any other race other than india i might have been able you know to to swallow that a little bit better but being that that it was the u.s nationals and just how hard it is to actually get to a final round and in pro stock or, or any class for right. that matter just uh, we didn't capitalize on it and it was uh, it was gut-wrenching but we uh we went ahead and turned that into a positive we you know we learned from our mistakes and we moved forward and i feel like not just me but mark and rick jones are more determined than ever and i'm really optimistic and really excited about these next four races
0: yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, on, on last week's show, we had Stevie Fast on, and, and he talked about the mentality that uh, that he and, and his team are approaching their championship run with, and he just calls it like attack, like straight-up attack mode. And it seems to me that you guys have, whether, you know, not that you've uh, compared notebooks with him, but it does seem as though you and your team have been in that same mode. You know, it's been an aggressive car, like every qualifying round, people are expecting that car to do well. And then, of course, on Sundays, too. So has that been the mentality? Is it an aggressive mentality, or is this just something that's kind of fallen into place?
2: I feel like, I mean, I definitely think it's an aggressive mentality because we are so determined and because we have been in such a deep valley for the last couple of years, especially following up the back-to-back championships. I mean, those two years were just, for yeah. lack of better word, <laughs> a dream come true, really. And um, you know, of course, you're not going to win all the time, and we know that, and we've all been through uh, a lot of valleys. But this one has seemed to be a little bit more lengthy than most, and uh, just kind of disappointing at times. But I have my same core group of guys, and I, I think I said that in a couple interviews this weekend. I just I'm so proud of them for you know we've been through stuff that tears most teams apart and it's made us stronger and I, I love them and I love how confident they are right now and you know in St. Louis um, during qualifying you know had I driven like I normally drive first session we would have been able to get all 12 of the bonus points um, but that was solely on my shoulders first session but we are able to, uh, to execute uh, Q2, 3, 2, 3 and 4 and uh, get those bonus points but it was kind of like the mindset of that I felt like as I was listening to you guys call qualifying over the loudspeaker, like I felt like we were back in championship form because they're like oh Erica slipped all the way down to seventh, you know blah 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 and Rick comes on the radio and he goes you drive this thing and we have the tune up right we're going right back to the top like just like that just confident nice. as I'll get out and I fire up we go up there and then you know six and a second later they're screaming in my ear that we're on top so it's just like <laughs> it's just like the old days and it's like man i'm so excited about it and, and even if we don't get it done like just to be able to come through all of that mud that we went through together and to be where we are i just I, my money's on us man
0: yeah i mean right now you're sitting second in points and and looking very good and is that you know i asked this question to uh, i think to Brittany last show and then i feel like it applies here too is it like because of the mentality that you guys have had and because you know talking about kind of the the work and the struggle and the effort is is this the right place for you to be in at this time of the season like still with some ground to make up still with some work to do still with maybe this kind of not that you're not going to be hungry if you grab the points lead but you maybe you know what I'm saying like yeah like a little bit of chip on your shoulder like we're not quite there yet
2: yeah I I feel like that too I mean we definitely have something to prove and um you know I'm glad that Everything's coming together at this point in the season. Instead of having it, you know, come together earlier on and then us falter, you know, in the late part of the season. This is this is where it all matters. These six countdown races is where you've got to have your stuff together and be on your A game and you know minimize your mistakes and just capitalize on every situation. And you know, I feel like that's something that we all have experienced. That um, it doesn't make it any easier. That's for sure. It doesn't make the stress levels or the pressure any less. Um, it doesn't make the, the nerves or the pits in your stomach go away. Um, but it just, like, you learn how to get through those things. And I feel like I have the best group of guys in the world, and this is a really great time for, for everything to start coming together. I mean, you and I have talked, as you know, we, we had some issues with main bearings and cost us a handful of races earlier in the year and, and into the late summer, um, you know, at Sonoma and Denver. And just uh, just, man, like, you get punched in the gut when that stuff happens. And we just powered through it. We found our, we found our problem and we fixed it and we are marching forward. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited and I want to, I want, I want to be behind. Like we are the underdog right now in my mind, because we've been through, uh, you know, we've had a couple of years where we weren't yeah. exactly on top. I agree. I gained that under underdog status and I'm, I'm ready to fight, man.
0: Yeah, and, and and what do you learn? You know, like what do you, what do you apply from? You know, let's just call them the Dodge years. What, what do you apply from from those seasons to a situation like this? Because you know, everybody says when you go through those times where it's just it it was it wasn't good. You know, it wasn't good. I think one thing we. I think one thing we all took away from that, whether you're a fan or, you know, you're a person that gets paid to talk about this stuff or whatever, is your determination was never questioned. Your ability was never questioned. It just mechanically wasn't going to be a successful program. So the difference there was I feel like you came into a lot of races understanding that the only shot you had was to climb up on top of the wheel and, and get out on somebody. Where here, now that you know you have the car underneath you, what does that actually do for your mentality? Because clearly you're not letting up. I mean, we look at the race day packages you're putting together on the starting line and they're, they're freaking unbelievable. So that's, you know, that's a situation where you're not relaxing, so to speak, but does it bolster you at all? Or or what do you pull from those times?
2: I just, I try to, I always try to make a positive out of everything. Like I do struggle at that at times as everybody does, but When we went through, like, it's just like going back to when I drove the Ford for Jim Cunningham or, um, you know, when I drove the Dodge with Elite, like, those were just years that, yes, we knew every time we showed up that we were going to probably be lucky to qualify, and the only chance I had was to use my left foot, and I feel like those years made me the driver that I am today, but at the same sense, you know, in the same sense, you learn, you learn a lot about the character of the people that you work with, and to me, like, I know it probably sounds cliche, whatever, but the guys that I have, Rick and Ricky Jones, I mean, look, we, we struggled with the new tire that Goodyear had, and we put our RJ cars on jacks and brought out hop cars, and they just, their character showed through like crazy because they, yeah. they're they like, whatever it takes to win. They, don't, they, they even built the car, and they're my crew chiefs, and they're working on it, and they're just like, whatever it takes, and that's kind of a mentality that, that everybody has, so I feel like that, people are the most important part of the puzzle. And that's something that Richard has done right is, is put the right people in the right places and allow them to do their jobs. And, you know, we, we have fun together. So it's um, it's kind of cool. But those tough years are the years that make you great, I feel like.
0: it. Uh, one of the things we hear people talk about sometimes about, you know, like you can't race scared, you can't race nervous out here, especially this time of the year, you can't do that. Do you feel like your performance and and what you've put together, especially over the last several races, has been forcing some other people to maybe race a little bit different? I mean, everybody everybody knows who you are on the starting line. Everybody knows how you execute the runs that you make. But do you feel like the way that things have been coming together so strongly, has that aided you, or at least have you seen something in maybe opponents? You don't have to name any names specifically, but have you seen people maybe doing things a little different against you?
2: Yes. And everybody tells me, "Oh, it's a compliment because you're you're so good on the starting line." I'm like, "Well, quit complimenting me because <laughs> there you're 70, and then you got to be like double over or teen on me, and you know it." But that also makes us better, right? Because we know nobody's going to take us lightly, and it is a compliment. It, it really is, and I I thank my competitors for making me better, uh, making us better collectively, and um yeah it's it's definitely different i feel like they race us differently and this weekend um sticks out to me more than most um for a lot of reasons because we weren't in the winner circle for a year and a half for one and two i wasn't my normal self on the starting line and yes we won and i'm so thankful and such a blessing and all of that but at the same time i am extremely disappointed in my performance not my race car me on the on the starting line like I went up there and I was double seven seven against the number 16 qualifier and I know I don't ever race my competitor I do the best I can in my lane with my car and so I don't you know I don't say oh we have them out around a 10th or whatever so I can lay up on the Christmas tree that's just not the mentality I have and I've never really been able to do that so I just go for it every run and you know adjust my clutch pedal accordingly well I didn't I didn't set up to be 007 first round. I just must have crushed it, and the track was tight, and whatever else happened, and that kind of put me second-guessing myself for the rest of the day, and that's why, you know, second round was just probably my worst light of, <laughs> not my life, but it's
0: <laughs> <laughs> top five. I yeah. <laughs> um,
2: you know, I, I slowed up my clutch pedal, and then I was thinking, just doubting up there, and that's not something that, that I'm, but, but I typically do so. That was uh, you know a lot of that was mental, and I just had to drag myself out of a ditch the rest of the day. And um, fortunate enough that I was <laughs> I was good enough to win on uh, you know in the finals because Matt again, just like you mentioned, was double oh three against me because they race everybody races us differently. And um, so yeah, I uh, was not pleased with myself. But there are a lot of days that you do everything right and lose and there are some days you don't do a whole lot right and win and you can't really explain it and it's your day it's your day and I'll take them when they come because it's not often we get a break so I'm uh, I'm proud of my guys performance and I was for sure to thank them because they they're the ones that uh that drug me through some and gave me the best race car on the property and we were able to uh to get it done so
0: yeah, I think it's cool, and one of the reasons I, you know, I want to have Sean Langdon and you on the show this week is because I felt like both of your victories were like the great personification of a team win in drag racing. Where you know, Sean had to pedal and do some other stuff, and then he outran some competitors. You know, you had some crushing lights, but then you also had a car that was able to, when you needed it, step up and step up and and help you. And I think that. Um, it's almost like a great football team, right? A great football team. The quarterback, yeah, he has a bad game. He throws three interceptions, but they get a couple of defensive touchdowns and still win. And I feel like what gets lost a lot from from our fans, and probably because we don't do a great job telling that story, is that you know over the course of a race weekend, like a true team or a real like. typically a winning team is going to have that back and forth where, um, you know, one element is going to kind of carry the other. And I feel like both your win and Sean's exemplified that probably better than really we've seen two other racer uh, teams have it happen on the same weekend. So definitely understand the point you're making there. Talk to me a little bit about the final uh, staging. Now, was it a situation where Matt was – moving quickly because matt was in pre-stage for for a hot second until you got there and then Matt was in stage for it's a hot second and and we figured you used about 6.99999 of the available seven seconds (laughs) to put the car in so just uh take us through that
2: so we had a extremely quick turnaround between the semis and the finals in my opinion and when we got up there like matt was already in his car and i i was not i had just pulled my fire suit up so i uh you know, I hollered at him, I'm like, thanks for waiting, like, just, like, be careful, whatever, he hollered back, and I got in the car and got, you know, suited up as quickly as possible, but NHRA was, you know, rushing us, which we were behind schedule, that's our fault, and uh, so he fired his car, and I was, I still hadn't even put my gloves on yet, so I was just behind, and of course, you know, being know, being a driver, like, you want to be calm, cool, and yeah. collected, right, and so you're rushed. And in a sense, I was talking to Joe earlier today, like in a sense, like I'm kind of thankful we were rushed because it kept my mind off of the aggressive swing that I made with my clutch pedal. So I wasn't able to think and screw myself up mentally. So um, we were behind. I was rushed. They fired their car. I still hadn't got all my equipment on yet. So I'm trying to fire and pull, put everything on and pull into the water box. And he had already completed his burnout when I started mine. So. I was just a solid 30 seconds behind him with everything and trying to get my heart rate down and get my thoughts under control. And so when we backed up and my guys set my wheelie bars, as I rolled forward, um, before I turned the pre-stage light on, I just stopped and I like closed my eyes and I took a deep breath and just like that. And then I cleared my head and turned the top bulb on. So that was all of that leading up, I was behind. Our whatever. But then going into stage, I just, you know, I wanted this stage as shallow as possible because of the aggressive change yeah. that I made with my clutch pedal, and I didn't want to give it away. But at the same time, I wanted to crack him, and um, it just that's. Kind of a
0: long-winded answer to no, your no, question. See, that's a great seems, answer, though. Uh, that is, that's, that's the good answer because you know we can think what we can think about it, watch it from outside the car. But to take us into the seat, that's that's the good stuff. And for you know, selfishly, for us, it was awesome because it, it gave us a, it gave us this this great moment of tension. Like the whole scene was kind of unfolding in front of us, and it made it a really fun race to call, even leading into it, because there was this you know there was that kind of just this pregnant pause of like oh, this is cool. You know, like there's just this well, kinda, I was
2: excited. Yeah. I was excited listening to you guys call it. You guys did a great job. And I just, I mean, as much as some people probably want to think I was messing with Matt, and Matt knows that's not the case either. But I was just honest to God just trying to collect myself. And, you know, it's kind of what we talked about being experienced of, you know, compared to being a rookie. Like yeah. in 2005 for my first final round in Chicago, I had Jason Line. We had a crank trigger go bad in the pitch. So I had to get suited up in the car in the pit area, and we were, we were late coming up. Jason waited on me. I'm still thankful to him for that day. But I was so worked up and so nervous and, like, so rushed that I didn't take the time to collect myself, and I was bred in the final round. So you go from that, not knowing the pressure that's involved, to 15 years later, you know, being used to being rushed or have things yeah. go wrong and have to make them right and you just have to change your mentality or your thought process and you're just kind of like calming yourself down. So that's that was my mindset behind all of those decisions that I made and I'm thankful that we were we were able to get it done because Matt put together a really great package and he told my guys up there, he's like, he's either, he's like I'm either going double O or I'm going to be red or I'm going to try to rip her throat out. You know, I generally try to do the same thing up there, like Indianapolis, with 007 in the final. I don't. I try not to leave much on the table because <laughs> I want to win. So, dag I'm bad.
0: <laughs> you know. Uh, okay, so you win the race. Uh, you're in the winner's circle, and was able to hustle down from uh, down from the TV booth. Now, what people don't know, and I can give, tell them this now. It's but so in St. Louis, our TV booth is actually in the Circle Track Tower. Facing the infield of the circle track. So we can't even see the dragster from where we are. We work off of monitors uh, to call this race. So Yeah, no, it's totally weird. Like, there's a go-kart track in there, and me and Tony were joking. We're like, oh, we're going to call somebody, like, clipping an apex here real quick because it's like (laughs) – because we're watching these kids race go-karts. But uh, anyway, the – the reason I'm telling you that is because so I wanted I always like to get down to the winning circle congratulate people when they win. I, I It's a Sunday ritual that I like to have. So we got done with our stuff, and I went zipping down. And I know what your ritual is, and I'm thinking, man, I do not want to miss her driving away in the car. So I got there just in the nick of time because I think you were getting ready to sit down in the car and, and drive back with Courtney, your sister. But – I'm telling you this because the coolest thing was all the Coletta guys and all the Torrance guys are in, the, uh, in their winter circle already, and they're all looking, and they see you getting in the car, and they not, you know, obviously don't know what's about to happen, and all of a sudden they start grabbing their phones because you fired the thing up and clunked it down into gear and drove away. So all these big burly nitro guys, you know, swilling beer, and they all stopped dead in their tracks and shot video of you driving away, which I thought was cool.
2: That is really cool, and I'm super glad you told me that, because then I went back and watched my sister's video of it, and you could see the guys, all the nicer guys with their cameras out, and that means a lot to me, because I think that, you know, they're, they're all so awesome, so um, that's kind of a deal. Like, we did it our last win in Charlotte a year and a half ago. My engine guy was like, drive it back to the trailer. We don't want to tow it, and I'm like, what? For real? And he's like, yeah, so I got in it and drove it back, and I guess my sister videoed it, put it on the internet, and it took off like wildfire. So, I I was hoping it wasn't going to take a year and a half to be able to do it again, <laughs> but it did. And uh, but yeah, thank you and and Lewis for coming down to say congratulations. And that was uh, that was kind of a highlight of the day was uh, getting to drive it back to the pit, and it's fun. And you know the fans that are still there love it, and the other teams that you drive by are out clapping and and waving. So it's uh it's definitely really cool and really surreal for me because. I mean, I was just a little kid with a big dream. Like I just, I just wanted to race cars for my job, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. So I'm pretty thankful.
0: Yeah, and and one more topic before I let you go. You know, the the woman that was sitting in the car with you, your sister Courtney, obviously is, uh, you know, had had a big part of that dream with you as a kid, and now you guys are are at the races together. Courtney's very busy doing promotional PR work for a lot of the teams and she's a hustler and her celebration on the starting line was priceless I mean <laughs> she was literally jumping out of her skin and it was great because it's very genuine you know what I mean it's like to me those moments on the starting line you know win or lose you, you see people just can't you see a very real emotion because it's so strong one way or the other you can't just bottle it all up and you know your guys were all high-fiving and hugging but courtney was trying to stomp holes in the starting line and i just i thought it was great because i know <laughs> i know how much you know how close you guys are and how much that uh you know how much she's emotionally invested in your success and everything as well so oh, i'm i'm sure it was uh i'm sure it was a pretty good moment once you guys got that thing back to the pits it
2: it was awesome and i'm i'm glad you brought her up because i i really couldn't do life without her let alone drag greasing she is uh <laughs> She is awesome. I wish I could bottle up her energy and use it for myself, but uh, to see her celebrate on the starting line after that win was was pretty awesome. And then obviously she was in the car with me when I drove it back. But um, you know she's she's given her whole life to this sport as well, and given up a lot of stuff to uh, to be out there with me. So I'm really really thankful for that. I'm lucky to have uh, you know my sister be my best friend. But what people don't understand is like. You know, absolutely the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and we're not curing cancer or doing anything extremely important but you know, since the time I was 8 years old I've given my life to the sport and um, it's it's crazy that it's been 28 years and you look back and it goes by in the blink of an eye and you win and then you go a year and a half without winning or me when I first started it took me 7 years to get my first win in postdoc so it's just like people don't know what it takes and people don't know what it takes from you. So I am like so thankful that my family is a big part of this, and my whole team is a family. Like pretty much everybody that works on our team has the last name of Freeman, with the exception of a few. But it's a sport. Our entire sport is family, and I think that's something that's so important. And I'm really, uh, really glad that my sister's able to be a part of it, a really big part of it. And she works her tail off, and it was, uh, it was fun to see her so happy. So.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, congratulations. Uh, long time coming, as I told the guys when I was down there shaking hands with them. And it's just uh, it, you you find out when, when the weird stuff or the bad stuff happens, and it happens to you time and time again like it did over the span of the last month, you figure out who people are because there are people, there are teams that wouldn't have come through the other side of that the way you guys did. And so I feel like it's really impressive to have seen – you know, not just you, but obviously the whole organization, like whether it was mechanical problems, you solve those. Whether it was a freak weird thing at the biggest race of the year, that happened. You have to shove that aside and keep moving. And uh, the results paid off in St. Louis. We'll find out if they continue to pay off in Charlotte. But you sit second in the points. And uh, I think it's a pretty tough sell for anybody to say that you guys don't have some strong momentum happening right now.
2: Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate that. And I uh, I hope the floodgates just opened and we can finish as strong as possible. And and lock down a third championship. Tall order, tough competitors out there, but again, best team in motorsports, in my opinion. And if I can just drive to the best of my ability, we should be able to get it done. So we'll uh, we'll pray hard and work hard and see what happens.
0: Thank you very much, Erica. We are uh, recording this on a Tuesday. It is Taco Tuesday. Go enjoy a well-deserved St. Louis Championship Taco Tuesday.
2: Thanks, Brian. <laughs>
0: Have a good one. We'll You're see awesome. You, we'll see you in Charlotte.
2: Are
0: you coming or what? I'm on my way. And so another great set of conversations with our two winners from St. Louis. Now we don't have a race next week so we're going to do a countdown style show we'll set up some of the championship runs some of the dark horse candidates and some of the things that could shake out over the course of the last couple of races. Some breaking news on this Tuesday when we began to record the show Corey McLenathan announced that he will run the last three races of the season and he will announce his retirement or actually he has announced his retirement following the world finals. So Corey the Number 34 wins, so he's still in the top 10 of all-time uh, Top Fuel competitors. We'll be driving Dexter Tuttle's car. And at the Charlotte race, uh, it has been announced that uh, the Foley-Lewis Top Fuel team, which uh, will make a reemergence after 10 years of uh, of being out of the sport, they're going to come back and run a uh, limited schedule in 2020. But in 2019, they're going to debut the car in Charlotte with Todd Payton driving, and uh, then Doug Foley will renew his license, and will be back in the Top Fuel Wars for the 2020 season. That's weird to say, the 2020 season. Still got a couple races left, still got a lot of fun to have, and still have a lot of stuff to talk about over the back half and the back third quarter, eighth of this 2019 season. Thanks for tuning in to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. It has been a blast, and we'll see you and hear you next week right back here in Podcastville.